Welcome to Practical Christian Living. When a gal will step back and say, you know what, I'm going to respect my husband, I'm really going to respect him, that he responds to that, that men respond to that. When a woman doesn't respect her husband, marriages are really tough. I can say as well, when a man doesn't love his wife, doesn't have that unconditional love for his wife, then it's really tough as well. Submission in marriage is not a favorite topic of many today, but 1 Peter chapter 3 holds precious instructions from the Lord that can bring life-saving peace and health into any marriage. Instruction for both wives and husbands who seek to glorify God through obedience. With part two of our message out of 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Christ dies for us, and so we trust Him. We don't have any problems submitting to Christ as part of His bride, as part of His church, because we trust Him. And if your husband is dying for you, if he's putting you first, then you don't have any problem submitting to Him, because He's not going to be doing things that are harmful to you. He's going to be doing things that are positive. So when he says, wives likewise submit to your own husbands, when it comes to Christian husbands, we can say, hopefully that would be easier. Now, the submission stops when you are asked to do something that is wrong or immoral. Paul said in Acts chapter 4, when he was told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, he said, we can't help but preach the things that we have been told. And is it right for us to obey God or man? Is it right for you to obey God or man? If the government tells us to do something that is immoral, is it right for me to obey God and man? I'm not to submit then at that point to them, I'm to submit to God. If my employer tells me to do something that is not moral or right, then I'm to submit to God rather than that. The same thing is true with a wife, okay? Likewise, wives likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, even if some do not obey the word. This is the key, those who don't obey the word. Now that might be harder to submit to them. We're not talking about guys that are interested in doing what Christ wants them to do. We're not talking about guys that would even go to a marriage seminar in a church to find out what marriage seminars are about. We're talking about guys that don't know the Lord. Now we assume there's some kind of a love here in this relationship, but it says that they may obey, uh, that they, even if they don't obey the word, that without a word, they may be won by the conduct of their wives. It's not saying that they can be saved without the word of God because salvation comes by the word of God. But it's saying without a word, you can win them. When you live your lives in front of people in the way that you're supposed to, your conduct can actually win people to Christ. In a home where there is a husband, we could point out what he doesn't tell her to do. He doesn't tell her to tape scriptures on the bottom of his beer glass so when he drinks it up, he reads whatever, you know. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Doesn't say to, you know, nag him with the gospel. It doesn't say to, it says, with quietness, win them to the Lord. And listen, there's power in this because it's the word of God. And when you quietly and gently do what God's called you to do, then there's power to it. And he may be one. This is evangelism. Evangelism is not only what you say. Evangelism is what you do as well. Now, this isn't the only passage that deals with a Christian who may be married to a non-Christian. Some of you guys here today are married to non-Christians. They may be upset that you started to go to church. Maybe you came to Christ after uh, you, were, you were married, and then you became a Christian. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7 deals with that as well. It says that if a non-believer is married to a believer, if a believer is married to a non-believer and the non-believer wants to stay, then let them stay, then stay with them. But if the non-believer wants to go, then let them go because we are called to peace and the believer is not under bondage in that point. Now, this is an important point for us because every once in a while you run into a Christian who will say there is never a reason for divorce. There's actually several of them in the Bible. Jesus said that a man is not to divorce his wife. He just said it's not to happen. We learned very on, me and my wife had read a book by Dr. James Dobson on marriage. One of the things that he said there is that you never say the D word. You never say, I'm going to divorce you. When Lisa had learned that the Jews would divorce their wives by simply saying three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. She would joke with me when she would get upset at me. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. I'd say, that's not even funny <laughs> to say that to me. It was kind of funny, but that you don't even say that. However, Jesus said, don't divorce, but if a man marries a woman who is divorced, he commits adultery, except if it's for sexual immorality. So someone that had had a relationship before that had been broken by an affair is now legally able to remarry someone. In other words, if someone is, has committed adultery, they have broken the marriage vow and they've broken the marriage. Jesus said, because of the hardness of your heart, God allowed you to divorce. And so some have taken that to say that when, when there's an offended and an offender, when someone has an affair on the offended party, that the offended party gets a hard heart and then wants a divorce because they just can't forgive them for what they've done and that that's wrong. They should have kept their heart soft. I disagree. I think it was the person that offended that had the hard heart. And sometimes there are guys that make women stay. Men are mostly serial adulterers. I know women can be as well, but that make them stay with a serial adulterer because telling them Jesus said you can't, you, you can't divorce them. You can for sexual immorality. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Lord also said, Paul said, the Lord told you not to divorce, quoting what Jesus said earlier. But then he said, if you do separate, then remain single or reconcile. So there are reasons to separate. Paul understood that. He understood that there was a reason for someone to get out of someone's home. Now, I'll give you a few suggestions of what they can be. Number one, physical abuse. If you are being abused physically by your husband or by your wife, then you can leave. And no one can tell you that you can't because it says if you do separate, then remain single or be reconciled. So if you're in the situation where you're being abused, a few years ago, there was a, a gal that went to our church and her husband went to another church and her husband was physically abusing her. And I told her, leave him. I said, leave him. And I told her, I'm not telling you to leave him and marry another person. I'm telling you that if you leave him, you're making a decision to remain single or be reconciled if he ever shows you that he will not physically abuse you again. Well, the other pastor called me up and he said, how dare you break a marriage up? And I said, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm not the one breaking this marriage up. The guy who is beating his wife is. The guy you're calling to defend to try to keep the marriage together. If you want this marriage back together again, then you should talk to him about doing everything he can to regain trust from his wife again. Because the Bible says that we're to live with our wives with understanding, honoring her as the weaker vessel. Doesn't mean that she's weaker or less valuable. It actually means more valuable. It's a valuable vase. 
You're like a big ox. She's like a vase that's valuable. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I hope you have. Maybe one person in here hasn't, but men and women are different, <laughs> right? And for people to say we are not different is to be in complete and total denial. We are. And men are generally, generally stronger than women. I understand there's an exception, Helga. <laughs> You'll stay in bed, honey. I'll go see the, I'll go get the burglar. You know, there's, there's the exception. But for the most part, it's the men who are supposed to protect the women that have been given that role of being there to protect them. And when the one who was supposed to protect them violates that by beating their wives or physically abusing them or running them down even emotionally. And yeah, I am saying, gals, that you can say, look, you're abusing me emotionally and verbally and I'm not going to live here anymore until you stop. You can say that. You don't have to stay in that situation. I even told that pastor, why don't we put you in a room with somebody bigger than you and let them beat you up and see how long you'll stay in that situation. To tell women that they have to stay in a situation where they are being beaten, that they can't leave because Jesus said not to get a divorce. I, th I think another reason could be addiction, addictive behavior that puts the children at risk. Again, I'm not saying leave and divorce. I'm saying leave and remain unmarried. It's when your marriage is so bad that you say, I would rather be single the rest of my life than to continue to live in this particular situation. Now, this could be abused, right? There could be somebody who could say, well, then I've got a right to leave my husband right now when you really don't have that right to leave him. So it could be abused, but these things were put there for those reasons. Now, here he says, if you're married to someone, be quiet. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. He says that you might win them with your conduct, and then he says in verse 2, when they observe your chaste conduct, the word chaste means pure. We could say that it means modest or faithful, that they may observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, the fear of God. Don't let your adornment be merely, notice the merely, outward arranging of hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. And in the original, in the Greek, the word fine isn't there. Some say, well, this is God saying that you can't wear, that you can't arrange your hair or wear gold. But if that was the case, you couldn't put on garments either. He's not saying that. He's not saying that you can't look good. I'll quote Dr. J. Vernon McGee. This is his quote, not my quote, by the way. And he's passed away, so you really can't get to him. He said, if the barn needs painting, then paint it. It's not that you can't be pretty or you can't wear jewelry or you can't fix your hair or you can't put on clothes that look good. It's not to let the outward be all that it is because someone can be a knockout on the outside and be mean on the inside. What does it say in Proverbs? Better to live on the corner of a rooftop than in a house with a contentious wife. That is that there can be a beauty that is simply outward beauty and someone can say wow you look good but once they get married and spend some time with them they can go wow they are mean meanness is not good it's interesting as we talk about this that the bible tells husbands to love their wives and it uses the word agape husbands agape your wives which is is love that is just a commitment 100 commitment love it's a choice. I agape you. I will choose to love my wife. That's what he's saying when he says, husbands, love your wives. 
But it never says, women, love your husbands, agape. Now, I'm not saying you're not supposed to, ladies, because there's other places where the Bible says to love everyone. So that falls under that, right? But it's just interesting to me that God says, husbands, love your wives. But to women, he says, women, be kind to your husbands. It tells women to love your husbands, but it uses the word phileo. It says, be nice to them. Now, why would God do that? I'm just wondering. I'm not saying anything, ladies. I'm just saying that God says, ladies, be nice to your husbands. Then there's another place where it says, and respect them. Now, it's been pointed out by a couple different books that men really need respect. Now, I, I, I think everybody needs love. Men need love. Women need love as well. So to say that women need love and men need respect, I don't know if you can put them equally, but I can, I can honestly say that I think that that's correct, that men do need respect. And respecting them to be able to take that role as a leader in the home, a leader in the family, a leader with the finances. And I realize some of you ladies right now, when I say finances go, I really wish I wouldn't have come tonight. Really wish I wouldn't have come. But giving him that opportunity to really step up and to do good with it. And you know what I, I think I find is that when a gal will step back and say, you know what, I'm going to respect my husband. I'm really going to respect him. That he responds to that. That men respond to that. When a woman doesn't respect her husband, marriages are really tough. I can say as well, when a man doesn't love his wife, doesn't have that unconditional love for his wife, then it's really tough as well. So he says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing of gold, and putting on a fine apparel, but let it be the inner person of the heart. In other words, let your beauty be who you are, that there's something about you that is beautiful with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. That very quiet and gentle spirit in a woman is, is something that is just precious to God. It's something that brings peace into a home and that kindness towards a husband in winning them over. It says, For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. It wasn't that they weren't beautiful. Sarah was known for being incredibly beautiful. Abraham's wife, very beautiful woman. But there was an inward beauty that was even more than her outward beauty. And I, I would say that an inward beauty affects an outward beauty in a greater way than what makeup does. Like I said, you could be decked out, but if you're mean, I don't know, you don't look, toast, don't look so pretty anymore. And I get by vice versa, right? Guy could be eye candy, but if he's mean, it's all of a sudden like, you're one ugly dude, I hate you. <laughs> Right? So he says, For in this way, manner, former times, the women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. And Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid of terror. So, so you are like Sarah, you call him Lord. When did Sarah call Abraham Lord? Sarah called Abraham Lord when she was 89 years old and he was 99 years old. And God had come to visit him. And God said, this time next year, your wife, Sarah, is going to give birth to a child. And Sarah was inside the tent. She had been, you know, serving him. And she hears that said, and she laughs inwardly. And she said to herself, am I at 89 years old going to find pleasure, my Lord being 99 years old? She's literally talking about the sexual experience. 
I'm 89 years old. Am I going to find pleasure in my Lord being 99 years old? I find it funny that it's not a real, like, respectful moment that she calls him Lord. <laughs> but she called him Lord, my Lord being 99 years old. And Abraham even says, you know, the Bible even says that Abraham didn't count the deadness of his own flesh. You can kind of figure out what that would mean for a man who's 99 years old. God's going to do a miracle here. And so then the Lord says, why did Sarah, your wife, laugh? And from inside the tent, she says, I didn't laugh. <laughs> so she kind of gives away that she was listening and that she did laugh. And of course, they name Isaac when he's born a year later. They name him laughter because it's a funny thing for a 90-year-old woman to give birth to a baby. You can imagine it. Can you picture it? 90-year-old gal, hey, big belly, hey, I got to sit down. It's a pretty funny picture. But God honored it, and, uh, and God honored their relationship. And even though she was beautiful, there was an inward beauty that was there. And this conduct not only helps marriages, Christian marriages, but this conduct also helps for those of you that are married to non-believers and what it means to really win them over to the Lord. Now, Peter is... Uh, Peter's a fair guy, so he's talked to women. Now he wants to talk to men. So he gives six verses to women and one verse to men. Look at verse 7. It says, husbands likewise. Now, when he says husbands likewise, the likewise there is submission. That there's a time to submit to your wives. There is submission to wives from husbands. You have submission to authorities. You have submission to, for servants. You have submission for wives. And now submission for husbands. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding. That is, understand your wife. Understand who she is and what she needs. Giving honor to your wife. Now, again, I'd said in Ephesians chapter 5 that if a husband loves his wife like Christ loves the church and died for her, that that will be an easy person to submit to. Likewise with husbands. We're talking about a husband that has a non-believing wife. And he lives with this non-believing wife with understanding. And he, he, he honors her. It's going to be easy for a wife to turn around and submit to someone like that. Or in this case, it'll be easy for her to give her life to Christ if he really does honor her. Giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel. Again, not as a less expensive vessel. This isn't in any kind of a negative way. It's simply in a, it's, it's more fragile, more beautiful. That's the role. And we are the ones to protect our wives as being heirs together of the grace of life. That is that she would come to know Christ and you guys could be heirs together in your faith, that your prayers may not be hindered. So the Lord tells us men that our prayers are hindered if we don't live with our wives with understanding, if we don't honor them, if we don't treat them like the weaker vessel. And that is connected to what the Bible says about prayer. That you're, you, know, you have not because you ask not. Sometimes your prayers are hindered when you're mistreating people around you. I've often said that the most important thing to God is the way that we treat people around us. And if the most important thing to God is the way that we treat people around us, then more important than the way we treat strangers is going to be the way we treat our family. That's going to be the first thing that God sees. You think, well, I go to church. Well, I, I give my tithes. Therefore, you know, God's listening to my prayers. Nope. Not if you're mistreating people. Your, your prayers are being hindered. But if you're treating her with honor as the weaker vessel, then 
there truly is uh, an, an open channel between you and God as God hears those things. And once again, the whole idea of this section is that you and I are living our lives in such a way that the people around us would see Christ in us and we'd be drawn to him. They can see us living our lives in a, in a way that is different than the world, not full of the, the lust of the world that war against our soul, honorable in front of the Gentiles and submitting to these things. People are going to see us and they're going to come to Christ and especially those that are the closest to us. That's the call that we've been given. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, we want to be the men and women that you want us to be in our marriages. And Lord, I pray for those that are here that are struggling in their homes now. We realize it's easy for the enemy to get in. It's easy for bitterness to rise up. Lord, we pray that you would touch the marriages that are here, especially the ones that are really in trouble that you would do a, a special work. Lord, that you would make their marriage into something that you really want it to be. We thank you that you are a miracle-working God. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. I want to give you an opportunity if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never come to that point where you've said, I'm done living for myself, and I'm now ready to live for him. The Bible says as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God. The Bible says that if you lose your life for his sake, you'll save it. But if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. If you say, I'm just going to hang on to my life, and I'm not giving my life to Christ, you'll lose your life. But if you give your life to him, you actually save your life. Because God's got a purpose and a plan for you. And if today you were to invite him in, the Bible says that he knocks on the door of your heart. And if you open up that he'll come in, three things are going to happen. Number one, he's going to forgive your sins. All of your sins will be forgiven because he died on the cross to take away your sins. Number two, God has a plan for you. There's a purpose for your life. There's a reason that you were created. You may feel like you're just spinning your wheels and you don't know why you're here on this earth. God's got a plan for you. And once you begin to walk with him, you begin to discover what that plan and purpose is. Number three, you get to know the true and the living God. This is eternal life, the Bible says, that you know the one true God and the son whom he sent. If you want to invite Christ into your life today and begin to live for him, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple. Right where you are, raise your hand. Lift your hand up now, lift it up high so I can see it. I want to make my way around the room and I want to acknowledge the hands that are raised. And if God's speaking to your heart today, then respond today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And don't harden your heart. God bless you, sir. That's awesome. All right. I would like everyone, including the gentleman who raised his hand, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Yeah. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.